Uh, Lord, we thank you for your presence with us, your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for all that your word brings to us. We pray now that you would bring to us your word, that you would show us yourself today. Amen. So, 2021, as you know, is a year for healing community among us. And we want to be talking more about that. But um, specifically, I want to talk about this is a, an uncontrollable power and proclamation that we are seeing in the book of Acts, as we've seen a number of threats come against the, the church, the kingdom of God. All of these threats have come, and, and yet it's uncontrollable. And I, this uncontrollable, you'll see why I've put that word there, power and proclamation of what? Specifically that Jesus is king of a new kingdom. And the, the goal of this proclamation is the creation of a church that's going to proclaim that kingdom. And the means of that proclamation is also this church that is living out this kingdom in reality now. So it's not exactly the same as the kingdom, but it is the goal and the means of this proclamation. So we want a next slide. We want to see that there's this pattern of miracles, bringing preaching and explanation and salvations. We saw that with Stephen just a little bit ago. But then what comes next is opposition. And so in opposition, we saw that at the book of, in the end of the uh, chapter 7, which Pastor Andrew preached last week, we saw this opposition. In fact, it wasn't just getting thrown in jail. It wasn't just getting beat up. This time it was being killed. Stephen was killed. And when there's opposition, when there's persecution, we begin to wonder, I, I thought Jesus was king. If Jesus is king, how come his people are getting killed? How come there's problems and persecutions and we, we don't seem to see Jesus as king the way we'd like to see him? And so at the beginning of this section, we saw Jesus exalted to sit at the right hand of the Father. And then just as Stephen is dying, he looks up and he sees the clouds parted and Jesus standing at the side of the seat of the Father. Jesus standing as witness to Peter, through Stephen rather, that Stephen is his, standing to welcome him in honor. So at the beginning of this Check this chapters 1 to 7. We saw Jesus exalted to the throne. Here we see Jesus exalted even when Stephen is dying. So there's this, this uh, conflict of Jesus is king and yet bad things happen and yet Jesus is still king. And how does that go together? Well, we see, this next slide, the, the um, miracles being preaching and explanation, salvations, opposition, and then perseverance and stronger faith and joy and triumph. Now, this is a pattern that we're seeing throughout Acts, and we're going to see it again today. If you looked at to chapter 8 of Acts, I want us to, to look there. And now we are moving from this section of Acts, which was about the church in Jerusalem, the new temple, the, the, the Jewish church that was created in Jerusalem, now beginning to be witnesses, as he, Jesus said, to Judea and Samaria. They're moving beyond Jerusalem. But how does it happen? So, one more thing. I want you to notice these things as we go forward. Um, there's three threats that against this uncontrollable power and proclamation of Jesus as king. The first is persecution. 
The second is prejudice. So persecution leads to scattering, then there's prejudice, and then there's purchasing power. And I'm not really going to get to the third one today, but we're going to focus on the first two as we go through this passage in Acts 8. So we saw Stephen killed, and Stephen asking that they would forgive those who were with him, and it says that Saul was one of the witnesses, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. We're going to see Stephen's prayer answered for forgiveness for Saul later, but this is a, a hook between these two parts. As we go from the Jerusalem to the next part, beyond Jerusalem, now a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. And here we see this significant opposition. This was new and much more pressure than there had been in the past. Now, last time Andrew said that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That sometimes happens. There's other times in church history where the church is wiped out by persecution. The church in North Africa and Sudan and other places has been pretty much gone because of persecution. The church in Turkey is gone. Maybe they didn't listen to the seven letters in Revelation, but what, what's, what happens? What is it that keeps the church going or causes it to dwindle when persecution comes? You remember there were different kinds of soil, and some of them, when persecution came, they, they dried up. Let's see what happened in this church. So when they were scattered, what did these believers do? Now, if I was one of those believers, and I was being persecuted because of my belief in Jesus, I would be very tempted to run someplace and be quiet. Wouldn't you? If the one thing that was coming against you was because you spoke up for Jesus and for his kingdom, and you could be safe if you just didn't talk about Jesus, wouldn't you be tempted to not talk about Jesus? What about in your neighborhood or your family or your community or your workplace? Are you ever tempted to not talk about Jesus because... It's just more comfortable if you don't. Anybody ever tempted like that? Some of us are, anyways. <laughs> Some of us, like me, are tempted to just be on the down low. I believe in Jesus, you know, but I don't have to tell everybody about it. But these believers, when they were scattered, this word evangelism, which means to tell the good news, is repeated about five times in this text. That's what I talked about controllable power and proclamation, because proclamation is mentioned a whole bunch. But the believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. Now, the one thing I don't like about the word preached is that it sounds like something only a few people can do. I want you to notice that none of these were the preachers. The apostles got left in Jerusalem. Okay? These were just ordinary believers who went places and they were so excited about the good news that even when it got them in trouble, they couldn't stop talking about this new kingdom that they were part of. 
and that Jesus was king and that things were going to be different, that things were already different. How about for you? Are you excited about Jesus being king, his kingdom, his church? That you're willing to brag about it, tell about it, exclaim him as king? It's good news. Anybody think we need some good news? About a good king? About a good kingdom? I think we do. So they talked about it wherever they went. And so the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. Isn't it a good thing that the apostles had not held on to all of the preaching and all of the authority? And all? Isn't it a good thing that they laid hands on some other people and they had every member be a minister like we talked about in Acts 6? Every member filled with the Holy Spirit so that when this temple is broken up, it's the fire in that temple goes with each member. I'm hoping as we're scattered, even as we've been scattered in this pandemic, it means that everywhere you're going, as you're spending more time in your neighborhood instead of in church maybe, you've been scattering the fire. You've been bragging about Jesus. You've been telling good news. I hope we haven't just been wrapped up in the bad news. But Philip, for example, remember he was one of those Greek-speaking Jews who were kind of different from the apostles, but they had laid hands on them, empowered them, released them, to pass out food, run that program, administer that thing. But God's not limited to whatever your particular job title is. You know, if you think, well, I, I'm not, I don't have, like, nobody told me to be an evangelist. I don't have that title. That doesn't mean you can't be telling news. You can't be an evangelist. Nobody put me in charge of, you don't have to be put in charge of it. You are anointed by the Holy Spirit <laughs> to spread the good news. So, Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Wait, Samaria? Is that it? Of course, that doesn't do anything for you guys. Because Samaria is not like one of those things that goes, ooh, like it did for them. But if you've read your Bibles a little bit back, you'll remember some backstory about how John says Samaritans and Jews don't relate to each other. He just puts a blame. They don't relate to each other. Peter, John, and James came through Samaria, and the people didn't treat them very well, and they thought they knew how to use the power of God. Could we just put fire on this city? Because these Samaritans are not treating us the way they should. Of course, it went way back farther than that to when the northern kingdom was taken away and other people came in and, and the, the worship of God got kind of a little mixed up. So then when the Jews came back to Jerusalem, they didn't want those Samaritans involved in their temple. And it got so bad that eventually the Samaritans said, oh, fine, we'll just build our own temple on Mount Gerizim if you won't let us be part of the real temple, your real temple. And so remember when Jesus met the Samaritan woman, she's like, so we have this controversy. Do we, do we worship God here or worship God there? And Jesus kind of skipped that controversy, if you recall. But the point is, Samaritans and Jews did not get along. Samaritans saw Jews, I mean, as apostates, and Jews saw Samaritans as apostates. They saw each other as half-pagan. They're mixed up. You know, 
yeah, they sort of worship Yahweh, but not really, not the way they should. You following me? It was a religious thing. It wasn't a racial thing. It was a religious thing about the way they worshipped. And so they did not get along. But Peter, I mean Philip, doesn't pay any attention to that. He's so full of good news, he goes there and tells them about the Messiah. Their Messiah, as well as the Jewish Messiah. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. You remember that this book started with, my former book I talked about what Jesus began to do and to teach. So this is what Jesus is continuing to do and to teach. Not only through the apostles, but through Philip and ordinary believers. And interesting that it's a lot like Luke and the other Gospels. Three things. When Jesus came to proclaim the kingdom of God, he did it with what he did and with what he taught. With words, with healing, with casting out demons. You follow me? We need to proclaim Jesus with what we do and with what we teach. In the actions that we do. In the, in the things that we teach. And actually, when... Here's another problem I'd love to talk about sometime. I've been talking, thinking about it for years. But the way we pull apart the healing that we do, that those of you who are health workers here... If you're a health worker, would you stand up, please? Come on. Eddie, Greta, thank you. Can we, can we give these guys a... Okay. They're healing. In Jesus' name. Hospitals, medical care, all of it came out of Jesus doing and teaching this. I know we've forgotten it, we've separated it, but that healing is something that is here because... Why... Did all the hospitals used to be called things like St. Joe's and St. Luke's and St. Mark's? Because it was all part of the church. I know we're pulling it apart, but it's still healing. And anybody who is healed, is healed by Jesus. Okay? They may be treated by anybody, but if they're healed, they're healed by Jesus. So Lord, we just pray that you would bless the healers among us, that you would empower them, and enable them in your name to heal. We pray that you'd help us as we support them. And as we heal, as we go. Jesus. Amen. So Lord, we, and we just, I want you to see that these guys are doing this. It's what they're doing. It's what they're saying. Jesus is doing this through his Holy Spirit. Through every member that's scattered all over. Including Philip, who had that administrative job. But... He is healing, casting out spirits, just like the apostles did when Jesus anointed them. Okay, next slide. Um, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer, and I'm not going to get too much into Simon. I want to do that next time. For many years, he was, doing, he was amazing the people, but then um, now the people, verse 12, now the people believe Philip's message of good news. What was the good news? Concerning the kingdom of God, and the name and the authority and the identity of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. As a result, many men and women were baptized. They joined the church. 
Philip, Simon himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. So Simon used to amaze people. Now he's amazed. Um, but I want to go on to the next slide. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. So John, you mean the one who called down fire on the Samaritan village? That John? Or wanted to? Until Jesus said, hey, 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 John, settle down. Yeah, that John. And they went. And they went even though it wasn't their thing. They didn't start it. They didn't make it happen. They didn't get credit for it. But they went to those people who were being preached to and responding to the administrative guy. Peter and John went. And what did they do? As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, and then Simon wants in on that. We're going to talk about that later. But I want you to notice that they come and they are, now, they are, bad, they are these people are being, receiving the Holy Spirit, all right? Now, somehow that was seen and heard and it had been, not been seen and heard before. And I'm not going to get into all the details of, of whether this is normal to have this separated baptism and, and, and receiving the Spirit and exactly if this is receiving the Spirit as in salvation when we receive the Spirit or if this is filling with the Spirit as in a subsequent thing for, for, uh, for um, ministry. My, the big point I think Luke is making is, hey, Peter was there when the Holy Spirit came on the Jews. And Peter and John were there when the Holy Spirit came upon the Samaritans. And Peter was there when the Holy Spirit showed up before anybody prayed anything, when Cornelius and the Gentiles. So the apostles that Jesus had designated were there to say, yes, these people are part of, of us. They are receiving the Holy Spirit from God, and they are part of this church. I want you to notice that there's a danger that almost happened here. We could have had the Samaritan church, the Philip church, as opposed to the Jewish church and the Peter church. And maybe we'd have, you know, we could have also almost had a Greek-speaking church already, right? But because they came and they embraced it and the Holy Spirit came, there was one church. You following me? It would have been so easy and so normal for there to be a Samaritan church and a Jewish church. And one church that went to the temple in Jerusalem and one church that went to the temple in Mount Gerizim. But there wasn't. Because the Holy Spirit took care of that, and the church took care of that. Now, throughout church history, we've had a lot of divisions. And we talk about them being theological, but at root, many of them are about language and culture. The Eastern Church, 
Well, there's the Eastern Church that the Orthodox said was not Orthodox, as in things out by Iran and India and other places. The Orthodox Church was in the Greek-speaking Roman Empire, which eventually separated from the Roman Catholic Church, which was in the Western part, the Latin-speaking part of the Roman Empire. And then there was the Protestant Reformation, which as it all shook out, turned out to be mostly those in the Latin-speaking part of Europe stayed Latin, Roman Catholic. Those in the northern parts that didn't speak Latin became Protestants. And ever since, we've had similar things. The Ethiopian Orthodox Church is different than the other Orthodox churches. And we talk about things theologically, and there are theological differences, and we need to be together and figure those out. But often, what's underlying those things are language and culture differences. Let's be honest about that, okay? And in this church, we can have differences, and we can say it's theological or it's about this leader or that leader, but it often is about language and culture and differences. And some of those are from origin, some of those are maybe um, whatever kinds of cultural differences or language differences we have. And we want to keep where we have unity and also where we can have freedom. And we keep doing it different ways, okay? So there's some of you here who speak other languages that enrich us so much. And some of you also go to other congregations and, and get to speak in your native tongue. So Pastor Ludwig is here. He's one of our elders. We're so grateful. And with, for his family as well. We get Benny on the base and we get Ludwig here as one of our elders. He, they also bless the Haitian Christian Fellowship. And we want to stay in connection with them so that we can be blessed by them and they can be blessed by us. And we can attend their services, they can attend our services. And, and then we have the other seven congregations speaking six languages. We want to be part of each other. But we also want to honor and let each other be part of your, do, do things the way you do them so we can learn from you. Because if we all become Jewish, what a loss. We need a Samaritan Jewish, Greek-speaking, Aramaic-speaking church that becomes, in a few chapters, a Gentile, also church. And throughout Acts and throughout the New Testament, we see a lot of this tension of how can a Jesus who spoke in Aramaic be for Greeks? And yet the New Testament was written in Greek. So we're, this tension is together. So this problem of persecution was solved by people going and where they were going and when they were scattered, they preached the good news. They did and said what Jesus did. The problem of persecution was solved because they came together and they blessed each other and they became and stayed part of one church with one Holy Spirit following one Jesus. Differences are good because we get to learn things from each other. Right? In fact, I've realized that the, the main barrier to my learning is the things I already know. Anybody else notice that? I mean about you, not about me. But you probably notice about me too. Um, yeah, it's the things we already know that get in the way of learning new things. 
And people from a different language and culture do very different things that can help us, right? So that's why it's beautiful to be part of what we're part of. Um, next slide. So I'm going to skip the part about Simon. Go to verse 25. After testifying, preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. And they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. I'll tell you, five times in here that preaching, proclaiming, saying what Jesus is saying, the good news about Jesus and the kingdom is repeated in this text. That's important. It's important for us. In our day right now, with the things that we're facing, persecution or pandemic or polarization or whatever, that speaking the good news is really important. Showing people Jesus' love and power is important. And I want you to notice that they were telling them about it. Those people who they had not wanted to talk to and wanted to call down fire on is who they're talking to about this good news. That's a miracle. It's a one miracle for the Samaritans to accept it. It's another miracle for these guys to ring it and travel and, and visit and sleep in these Samaritan villages. Remember, Jews, when they traveled to Samaria, normally did not stop or stay in Samaria. They pretty much, between Judea and Galilee, they had to go through Samaria. But they pretty much held their breath the whole way. They didn't stop, they didn't eat, they just tried to get through. But not here. They're going back to Jerusalem, but they're stopping and speaking and talking with many other Samaritan villages. I know it's hard for us to conceive of that, but can you, can you think of a barrier, a boundary, a place in St. Paul that you usually don't go to? Or a place in greater Minnesota that you usually don't go to, or in the suburbs that you usually don't go to? I know that there's people in the city who never want to go out there. Right? Ice might get them. And there's people who are out in the suburbs who never want to go into downtown St. Paul or Minneapolis. The gangs might get them. Right? Right here. Right among us. We got neighborhoods we don't want to go to. At least, okay, we'll drive by in the freeway, but not like stop for dinner, not sleep overnight, not stay in somebody's house. Right? But Jesus is bigger than that. The kingdom of God is for everybody. And we get to learn from each other. So, next slide. The church is expanding beyond Jerusalem and beyond Jews. This is powerful. This is new. And this is what we're moving into in chapter 8 here. Just what Jesus promised. You are going to be my witnesses by the power of the Holy Spirit throughout Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. They're getting beyond Jerusalem and beyond Jews. We are a house of prayer for all nations. Not just for us, whoever us is. 
We're a house of prayer for all nations. We want to be praying for all nations. Hospitality and carving out space is one of our key things. We want to welcome people. We want to not only welcome people, we want to be willing to be welcomed. Hospitality is not only welcoming people to come and be with us, be like us, do things our way. You know, everybody, everybody wants diversity. That means I want somebody who looks different from me but thinks just like me on my staff. Right? That's not diversity. Better if you have somebody who looks like you and thinks, looks like you and thinks totally different. Now that might be getting closer to diversity. Right? But carving out space and hospitality is about accepting hospitality as well as, well as receiving hospitality. It's, just, it's also about us going to Haitian Christian Fellowship as well as them coming to us. We're going to be there on the 12th, right? Preaching on Ephesians. They're preaching on Ephesians if you want to go to Haitian Christian Fellowship. Um, so, we're talking about hospitality. Uh, next slide. Did you notice? You are now covered by a new sanctuary roof. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you all for giving so that we will not get wet this winter or next spring. Um, I know you can't really tell because you can't see that beautiful white roofing up there. But this week we got a new sanctuary roof. Thank you for your giving to that new roof. And also, I want to thank you, next slide, for your giving to the Monze Church and their new roof. They have received their funds. They are buying their materials. They are getting ready to do things. Now, I want to remind you that this week is our It's Time Sunday or our Bethel Christian BCIF Sunday. So uh, we'll, BCIF means our building. It's Time includes more than our building that we're giving to. So it includes this church roof that we just gave to. I want to I go a little farther and explain a little bit. So this is graduates in Tanzania from the Bible school. Now, that Bible school... In those, those are specifically graduates who were ministers but were not trained, who went through this Bible school and then have gone out to minister. So one of them, Nashon, was one of the students I taught there. He's since planted five churches. I'm still in touch with him. This school in Musoma was started by an ex-life, Benesta, who was kind of a Philip except more. So he, since early 70s, he was out there preaching. He said, we need another Bible school extension up in Musoma. I said, they can come here. It's not that far. He said, no, we need a Bible school extension in Musoma. So that meant I had to go there and accept some hospitality so I could preach or teach for a week <laughs> every, every so often. And uh, it, was, it was nicer when I was at the Bible school next to my house. But um, always some adventures in hospitality. Vanessa and his wife, next slide. This is Vanessa when we were there with some of our team, including Sarah. And these were the kids he had in his house. A couple of them are his. The rest was about hospitality, welcoming orphans and others who needed um, help. One more. So this is, the, um, this is the school that was started. This school meets in the sanctuary of the church in Musoma. And so what, for a month at a time, the students come and they, they have their classes there. And they, uh, they do the class. You can see the classes. And they, they sleep there, they eat there. One more slide. Um, this was what happened when Vanessa died 
a little while ago. So we want to name the, the this was thousands of people. Benes was a very humble person. He would show up just to type on the manual typewriter and make stencils for the Bible school. Because somebody needed to do it without being asked. He would, um, and I've got lots of stories of Benesta and his faithfulness. He'd, he'd take the bus six hours down to bring us a residence permit, get us to sign it, take it back. Um, and thousands of people showed up. The TV crews showed up. They said, you know, listen to the widows and orphans who've been blessed by, the, by this man, by the churches, etc. So we're naming the storm after Benesta Misana. And as a church, we've committed to try to raise money for this storm. So next slide. That's why we're doing a dorm. You notice the mattresses piled in the back there? That's because when classes are done, then the tables go down and the mattresses come out and people get to sleep there. And hopefully they sleep well enough so they can be up for more than six hours of class the next day. Um, so 37 and a half hours each week of class time. And uh, so that, that's why we want to have a dorm. Because for 20 years, they've been sleeping on those mattresses. Now they want to know the Word of God well enough to do the ministry well enough that they're willing to do that. But we want them to be comfortable enough. We want students from other denominations to be able to come and not feel like, oh, it must just be a seminar because it's just in that church. To have a real, so the next slide, um, this is the plans for the Muslim campus. That's about a $600,000 campus. We've got a couple more campuses we need. <laughs> That's the dorm that we're trying to build. Next slide is the, is the plans for it. And um, so, Next slide. It's time. That is our giving. So to be clear, if you give to BCIF, which you've normally been giving to, that will go 100% to our building because BCIF is about our building. Okay? And that's fine. Do you want to designate for that? If you want to designate for the dorm specifically, you can do that. But if you designate for its time and mark your check its time, then... Let's say you give $100, $75 will go to our building improvement, to the next roof, and, the, and the, especially the heating is our next priority that we need to pay for. Uh, and 25% or $25 will go to the Tanzanian dorm. And then 25% will go to Tanzanian church roofs. I was trying to get Liz to make this slide. I had to keep correcting her because she was like, that doesn't make sense. I was like, it's God's math. You give $100, then $75 goes to BCIF, and $50 goes to Tanzania. Now, how did we get to God's math? We got there because you guys were praying about these needs. Because the leadership of this church said, let's not just do our needs, let's take care of their needs too. Let's talk about Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth, as well as our needs. And then we committed to sending that money to Tanzania. And when I told Johanna, the pastor of that church, I said, so we're sending you the money. We'll send it on Monday. He said, good. We're praying Friday and Saturday and all night, um, fasting and praying. And we'll be praying for you and your building needs. We'll be praying for our needs and for building needs here in Tanzania as well as other needs. So when he was praying, I called a friend about something different. And I said, um, well, we were talking about something different. He said, you know, I've been thinking about you for a week. And aren't there like 40 church roofs that need um, churches that have built buildings, but they still need a roof? I was thinking I'd like, I'd like to give something to that. I said, okay, that's great. I said, actually, our priority right now is this, is this dorm that we're trying to build. He said, I don't know about a dorm. 
But tell you what, if you guys come up with $122,000 for a dorm, I'll give $122,000 for a church roof. I was like, really? And then I called him up on Wednesday just to make sure, and he said, oh, I thought you weren't that excited about it. I was like, what? You thought I wasn't excited about it? I need some help here. So every dollar that you give to the dormitory will be matched by a dollar that goes to another church roof. So we did one church roof out of the generosity of this church, and we're going to get a lot of church roofs just by giving to the dorm. Is that cool? I told you when I was, we were starting this It's Time campaign that I'm excited to be receiving God's generosity and be part of participating in his generosity. And to me, this is just, whoa, here it is. Already, we're on it. So, when you give to It's Time, let me repeat, because it's hard to comprehend. When you give to It's Time, 7500 give $100, go, say, let's give $1,000. $750 to our church's needs. 250 goes to the dorm in Tanzania, and $250 goes to church roofs. Isn't God amazing? I think he is. And I am excited to see all the other ways that this is going to happen. And, I, and I've heard some other very cool things that people have been doing, giving to people's rent and other things. So, um, so let's, next slide. So here's another one of those church roofs um, that... I got, a, I got a whole uh, six of them, but I, I'm not going to show you them all. Uh, that, that I was just in one letter. So this is another church. These are in Gaeta. That one, actually, that one's in Ngara. Um, and th here's the church that, that is meeting there. So those people, we get to also bless. So it's time for us to be part of the scattering that has produced seed all over the world. Now, they're facing poverty. They're facing persecution. They've got some difficulty. They also face a pandemic. But they are doing their work. And it's time for us to also take care of the needs here and the hospitality and carving out space that we get to do for here, for us, and for the other churches here. And you know what? It's cool. You may have noticed that during this pandemic, there's a number of churches that closed or merged. Because they didn't have a building to meet in. The community center was closed. The, the church and the school they met in, they couldn't meet in. And so they ended up, but for 90 years, y'all and others before you have been giving, not only were we able to continue, but so were the churches that we host here, able to continue because of your giving, your work to make this beautiful space. So the church still faces threats today. Is that true? And things still happen. When the, when the Chinese church was closed down by the government of China in the 40s, 45, it scattered and spread and has flourished. When the East African revival in the church in Uganda was shut down, people fled from Uganda to Tanzania, to Kenya, other places, and the East African revival spread. And... God is still doing things when we are scattered. Um, yes, we face some threats like pandemic, polarization, scattering, and persecution, and poverty, and prejudice that keeps us from seeing each other as brothers and sisters, as part of the same kingdom, as part of the same church.
But the Holy Spirit is bigger than all those. The kingdom of God is bigger than all that. And the Holy Spirit is spreading, working, binding. Even when there's scattering and persecution, God is doing His work. And we get to be part of it. Because when there is opposition and then there's perseverance, we get stronger faith and joy and triumph. You remember at the beginning of the first Sunday in the pandemic, I said, this is going to be longer than you think, harder than you think. But if you persevere, you'll be refined as gold and you'll bring forth much fruit. You guys are persevering. You guys are persevering. God is refining us. The pruning is happening, but the roots are going deeper. We are being refined, and we are going to bring forth much fruit. Scattering doesn't mean the end. Because Jesus is still king. It's still his kingdom. Next slide. The uncontrollable power and proclamation of Jesus as king and his kingdom, which will never end that we get to be part of. They were baptized into that same church that we are baptized into. Baptized with the Holy Spirit the way that we are. And we are part of this worldwide church that's been scattered. So evangelism sometimes is voluntary. We get to send somebody intentionally. Sometimes it's involuntary. They just get forced out. Some of you came here not because you wanted to be here, just because you were running. Right? You didn't come here from Haiti because you loved it here, right? Things were tough in Haiti. That's running away from terrible things when you came here. But we are grateful that God scattered you here to be part of us and for us to be connected there. Thank you for blessing us. So Jesus, well, let's have the worship team come. Jesus, we thank you that you are bringing your kingdom we thank you that you are king. We thank you that you are able to overcome persecution, prejudice, all their difficulties. You are able to show yourself strong, and you are doing it even now. We thank you for churches multiplying around the world. We thank you for in the midst of difficulties. You did not say we were going to have it comfortable or that we weren't going to have any problems. In fact, you promised us problems, especially because we follow you. So, Lord, we do not want to shrink back, but we don't want to press in. We want to be receiving your kingdom and sharing it with those who don't know. So, God, would you help us this week to be sharing good news, doing good news, glorifying Jesus as King. God, we don't know exactly how to do that wisely and well and powerfully, but your Holy Spirit is in charge. And we give our lives to you, and we say we care more about your kingdom than being comfortable. So Jesus, do your work. 
Use your people. At Bethel Christian Fellowship and the All Nations Family of Churches in Tanzania and all over the world, God, use your people to bring good news of Jesus the King. This week. Amen.